Hey, hey, and welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks podcast. We have a very special episode uh, as we are Keithless this week, so I'm going to compare us to the Three Stooges as we have a replacement in today. <laughs> I'm Curly Joe. I was just going to say, it was Curly Keith. <laughs> Curly Keith. <laughs> so we've got. Uh, well, we'll we'll skip Keith here. So we've got, and this is going to throw me off on the intro here. We've got the man who's always wrong with the holiness collection, the clown prince of collecting, the pictures guy, and the dirty old gig. Brian, he's one. Brian, how are you? You know what? I'm feeling good that I don't have the pressure of Keith, as he's always just pressure, pressure, pressure. We are going to be missing comedy gold this uh, this episode. He just is always right there, pushing, pushing, pushing. <laughs> I can't... Ah, the perfectionism. He's like Gene Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, our Shemp, if you will... (laughs) Well, it's better than Curly Joe, so that's good. Is our number one super fan online, the most generous guy I know, and the birthday boy, Mike. Mike, how are you? Doing good. Feel like a pinch hitter going in with the bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. It's the World Series, and hoping I don't strike out. You gave that a lot more thought than either one of us had. You wow. realize where you're at, right? Yeah. Right. This, this yeah. is a this is a third class podcast, dude, and that was a first class. Was, wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm of course the world's oldest sidekick. I am the words guy. My name is Lance. There was not a good quote from any of the movies this week. So No, there wasn't. No, there really wasn't. But no. uh No. We'll go I would, with, I would go with Akatikata. Oh. Yeah. The 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 made up language in Three Stooges in a Row was actually pretty good, yeah. So let's go with it. It really was. Well, we'll talk about that. And welcome to another issue! <laughs> so, Brian, other than the momentous occasion of Mike's birth, uh, do you have any news for us? I don't know that there's news bigger than that. I agree. But uh, we do have the... Um, Amazon has picked up, ordered two seasons of oh, Batman yeah, yeah, Cape yeah. Crusader. Now, I knew that that was Bruce Timm. But I did not know that was also J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. I'm hoping Bruce Tim counteracts J.J. Abrams. We all do. Yes. But it's the Matt Reeves element that... Uh, it's kind of intriguing, yeah. It is intriguing to see what he does with the characters. I did get to see they, they released some more footage on um, Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, which... I saw that, too. Yeah, it does not disappoint me. Okay. I think that there will be some things that come out on that. If they continue in this vein, that will be the iconic... You know how you have the Margot Robbie. But there will be some... There's cosplay elements there that I I think we'll be seeing. And along the lines of that, we again are... Zack Snyder's hinting at something coming up with the Justice I saw... Now, of all things, I saw something on that online. Yeah. I did see a really good video on on what his uh, plan was for the trilogy, for the Justice League trilogy, along with uh, Jim Lee's beautiful artwork. He had him draw on a huge whiteboard. They're like 10 feet tall drawings by Jim Lee. It's fucking awesome. But to see what what he was aiming for, uh, now I hope he doesn't go with that. Just because though it is a a good story, uh, I think we all know it now. Um, and that would be disappointing, but, uh, there's something coming and they've been hinting at it for a long time, uh, going to Netflix, the stuff that Warner brothers has been selling. 
And that's interesting that Amazon, do they pick up the, the rights to, do they get sold the license to use Batman on yeah. Amazon? So they sold them the license. Yeah. So you know if they're doing that with Amazon, it's possible that they're going to do it with other platforms as well. Well, they had sold Netflix uh, the Dead Boy Detectives. And Sandman. And Sandman. And Sandman, yeah. So they had already licensed out characters to Netflix, which... Um, but that was pre-James Gunn, though. The Sandman was pre-James Gunn. Right. Dead Boy Detectives was not. Okay. And so uh, that's what led everyone to think, because Zack Snyder is doing the new Netflix series, and he has a really good working relationship with Netflix. And uh, the Snyderverse has just a whole lot of fans. More than I thought. I like the Snyderverse. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, It's a little darker than I particularly like, but he's done some fun things with it. But that started almost immediately, and it looks like something's coming. Something is definitely coming in that vein. Well, it was interesting that someone asked James Gunn on Twitter if uh, he had any other news or updates or if the 10 characters that he put out there when he made his announcement the last day of January, if there was anything else. And he made a kind of a cryptic tweet that basically said that's not even half of what we have planned. Yeah. So it's kind of telling like, okay, that's what he has for his universe, but are these things that he hasn't discussed that we that he hasn't even told anybody about, anybody about, are they more like the Amazon stuff? Are there more Netflix announcements coming? It's kind of interesting to see what he means by that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this has been brewing a while, and, and I knew when they started canceling everything. But again, you know what? I'm glad that uh, Batman Cape Crusader uh, got a second life. Uh, obviously, that shows that. But it had been in, in talks for more than a year. So yeah. that sh- there's got to be a lot of work on that done. Um, it could it could go very, very badly, though. I mean, with with Matt Reeves and, and especially J.J. Ab- Abrams, I don't know if it's... Everybody's going to be expecting Batman the Animated Series or a continuation, and it could go completely... We, well, we, it's not going it's, to be. It's absolutely not going to be because you, you don't have... Paul Dini? You don't have Paul Dini writing. You don't have Kevin Conroy. Right. And per Brian, Hamill's never going to do the Joker again. Right, right. So... Oh, and he has a movie coming out called The Mechanic. It's, I guess, one day only. <laughs> Mark Hamill does? <laughs> well, Mark Hamill's in it. It's, uh, and he looks nuts. I mean, he looks absolutely drug addled nuts. It's going to be a great movie. <laughs> I saw the Red Band trailer for it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great movie. Yeah, so that's the, that's the big news. Uh, and that, the, the cryptic April 4th, we find out about the Zack Snyder shit. I guess they do a Snyderverse. Comic-Con. Oh, okay. Where he talks about upcoming stuff, but he's mentioned something coming with Justice League. So I'm I'm going to bet there's going to be an announcement. And then I heard on the James Gunn thing, the kickoff for the new DCU was supposed to be the Flash movie. It's looking more like it's going to be the Superman Legacy movie that uh, James Gunn is writing and directing. But there will be elements. So there's elements coming up in in these films that are going to be included and added to, like Shazam, where they kind of allude to the fact that he's part of the greater DC universe, but um, he's not been in it. You know, he could be easily in the Justice League. Why not? That would be great. 
Except that tonally he's completely different. And they keep tying him into the Snyderverse. <laughs> um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so we'll see. April 4th. It's coming. And then next week, of course, we're going to have all kinds of news. Oh, because of C2E2? That it? Yeah. Is that is there more? Does there need to be more? Does there need Mr. Grim Reaper? To is be that more? it? Uh oh! <laughs> Shit, that's right. I forgot about dead people. <laughs> the big one this week, uh, and I just found out about it. He's not on any of my dead people videos yet. He will be next week. Uh, Lance Riddick. Yep. Was uh, fuck me running. Love that guy. Yep. Um. Uh, Added added gravity, yes. like one Good. of those great voices, great oh. presence. Added gravity to everything he did. Yes, I was going to say exactly that. The presence he brought to the roles when he was in a, on screen, very uh, what do you regal or important or royal or yeah, you know. Well, no, especially like uh, I always thought like he was the concierge at the Continental and John Wick, and he always was like, what. Did, how big of a badass is this guy that he's in charge of this shit? Yeah. Exactly. You know, right. like, I was wait, I was waiting for, like, you know, like, the, it, it, hopefully in four they give him a little bit or something like that where he just, he, he's like a total badass or whatever. I always, the, the way that that case, he was just very, always very, there was always this underlying menace underneath, like, his, his courtesy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Next week and find out. It yep. opens Friday. Oh, Jesus. That soon? Yep. March 24th. Well, he's, um, well, he will be missed. You're right. He could play a, uh, a janitor. Yeah. And, and you'd, he, you'd go, well, what's, what's up with this guy? Yeah. He's, he, yeah. He's, I know you just start watching Fringe. He's, you know, he plays the boss in there in charge of the project. And he was fantastic in that role. That's where I first kind of, he got put on my radar from that role. Uh, Bert I. Gordon, the, B-movie schlock director died at 100. What couple yes. of my favorite uh, B-grade uh, 1950s uh, monster movies. Uh, we just talked about a beginning of the end. Uh, Attack of the... Uh, um, oh, God. Uh, the giant... Uh, two mo- oh, God. Amazing Colossal Man. Uh, War of the Colossal Beasts. Earth versus the Spider, versus Village the of spider. the Giants, yep. Empire of the Ants. Empire of the Ants is one of the cheesiest motherfuckers I have ever but, seen, and it's fucking awesome. Come on. That's, that, I think, has been named by a favorite for uh, by a lot of us. I've loved Empire of the Ants. So, yeah, he died this week. And then uh, Jim Gordon, which, uh, member of the Wrecking Crew from the 60s and 70s, the, uh, the band of studio musicians that we also, Glenn Campbell, uh, if you wondered whether or not he could play, he could play. Uh, Glenn Campbell played the guitar solo in The Monkey's Merry Merry. Really? Yes. As part of the Wrecking Crew, uh, Jim Gordon played on Pet Sounds and uh, You're So Vain. Carly Simon. A couple of iconic ones there. Uh, he was the drummer for Derek and the Dominoes. Drummer on Layla. Also a schizophrenic who unfortunately killed his mother and spent the, uh, the last remaining part of his life in prison. Dying there. At 77. But, uh, wow. That, oh, I'd love to be the drummer for Derek and the Dominoes. Not so much. These rock guys are twisted. It's the drugs and the sex. Do you got anything else? (laughs) (laughs) No.
I didn't think so. All right, so for this edition of the Three Old Geeks, world famous, and I don't even have to prove the data because Keith ain't here. (laughs) (laughs) Top three list, gentlemen, with 15 minutes on the timer. What are your top three favorite comedy bits? And go! Okay, I could probably pull all three out of this. I only did one. Kids in the Hall. Uh, if you've if you've ever perused the two that stick out for me, I was the crushing your head man. Yes, and Buddy. Oh God, Buddy was the funny. Scott yeah. Thompson is one of the funniest guys on the planet. Yes, uh, but there's the uh, I'm sorry, I created cancer, and uh, Jesus was not a very good carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> It was, those are funny, but uh, the best one I thought, uh, oh, and the Cincinnati kid. But anyway, uh, I don't speak English. So the guy comes into the shop, and the guy's uh, sweeping. It's Dave Stewart sweeping, and the guy's like, I, I need shoes. Do you? And he looks at him, and he smiles. He says, I don't speak English. And the guy's like, what, what? And he goes, I know it looks like I'm speaking English. And I know it looks, it looks like I understand what I'm saying, but I've learned this all through memorization. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. And he just keeps going. And finally the guy just kicks his ass. But it is so funny. I don't speak English. I'm sorry, I don't speak English. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, that was that's, uh, that's number three for me. Uh, number three for me is uh, Oldie, uh, Carol Burnett. So on the Carol Burnett show, if you I don't know if you ever seen this episode or the skit, but Tim Conway plays a dentist uh. and, and he injects himself he injects himself with Novocaine, and you know it starts with his hand goes to sleep and oh he injects it in his legs and his arms and and he can't talk. It just gets worse. It's Harvey so, Corman. Harvey Corman is losing it. It just absolutely. You're losing laughing it. along with Harvey Corman. Yes. Oh my God. And anytime those two got together, and, and Carol Burnett even said that th- there was times where they would just purposely try to crack each other up, especially oh, yeah. Tim Conway, would purposely <laughs> try to do that to Harvey Corman and, and Carol Burnett. And I can I could pull it up on YouTube right now and watch the whole thing. It would still have me. Laughing and Bring crying. Tears, yeah. yeah, he was not a regular cast member for no. a long time. Right. He was more like a guest star yes. kind of guy, and yes. he just was so funny that they had to add him to the cast. Yeah, fucking everything really. he was in was funny. But you know, you got the old man that he used to do. Uh, <sighs> oh, Mrs. So Wiggins. <laughs> Mrs. <So> Wiggins. <laughs> I mean, everything he <laughs> did was. Everything he did was, and I was thinking about Lansing <sighs> just saying Tim Conway and Carol Burnett, but. The Novocaine one just hits it's oh, every single time. Goes. Every single time. <laughs> oh my god! Because it's like physical comedy. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a really. That's a. I mean, I'm laughing just thinking about it right now. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. I. I gotta go with. Uh. I got. I mean, literally, pick a pick a. I had to pick a Monty Python. Sketch. Oh. <laughs> and, I didn't and, even go to Monty I, I, Python. No, I knew I knew Lance oh, was going that I, way. I mean, like I mean, you know, uh, Dead Parrot, uh, oh. Ministry of Silly Watts. It's, it's sleeping. Just... <laughs> <laughs> he's not fighting for the peons. He's pushing up daisies. That entire wordplay is a, oh. one of the most incredible things. So I had to go with a deep cut on this, and this is the naughty Hungarian phrase book. So John Cleese <laughs> walks in. To a tobacconist shop, 
and says, my hovercraft is full of eels. Oh, you want, you know, oh, okay. And he's, they're going through this Hungarian phrase book, which is a totally bad translation. And, and, you know, he's, oh, okay. If I told you, you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? (laughs) And it's literally this, this, like, saucy interpretation of English translated to Gary. And so, of course, uh, Eric Idle, the, the Bacchus, he says something to, you know, oh, here, let me translate this. I think you got this wrong. He, and he says something in Hungarian. And John Cleese looks at him and fucking knocks him out. The fucking cops come. They go to arrest fucking Cleese for punching Eric Idle in the face. My nipples explode with delight. <laughs> Brian's almost doing a spit take here with his coffee. Yes, thank you. That's never do that again. So that one brings me to tears every time I see it. Oh my god! It is so clever and so silly, and it's just it, it's a wordplay. It's, it's fucking wonderful. Uh, the um, argument, <laughs> the paying for the argument. <laughs> I'm here for an argument. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wait. Well, an argument is an exchange of ideas. It's not just contradiction. Well, I have to contradict you to argue. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, God. And then yeah, your time is up. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Uh, okay, so for me, number two, uh, and you talk about going back. This is way back. Uh, and it's probably one of the first that just uh, was so cl- uh, Who's on first? Oh, you took uh, my I was. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I, I actually two. thought of that. I was like, "Well, that's low hanging fruit because that's the gr- like the greatest, the greatest comedy ones. bit ever." Yeah, I don't know third base. Uh, I was actually going to go with, "Hey Brian, have you seen that? There's new uh, uh, superheroes. They're going to like play a charity softball game." And uh, <laughs> I was going to have you go like, "Really? Oh, Who's on you first? had a whole, uh, whole. I had a whole. I had a whole, had a whole skit worked out, yeah. oh. Brian." Yeah, yeah well, I just you, fucked it up. First? But that's what I do. That's my <laughs> that's my part in the show. Uh, not quite as good as the uh, rivalry between uh, Keith and Lance, but uh, yeah, who's on first? Just uh, and that's not even my number one. There was a no, I had there was a meme going. It was a little oh, little nine no, panel cartoon two. of and I have to find it, but it was literally like musicians from the '60s, and it was the same bit. Oh, it was well, who it, it, who's the drummer for the Who? You know, oh, it's you know, so and so, and then it it it's all with names. Of, I've seen that too. It's really clever. It's really clever, oh, and I'd it like comes full circle. I'll, I'll have to try to find it for you. It's really yeah. clever. Uh, no, that's uh, so that's yeah. And so that's, that's uh, your number Abbott two, Costello, Yeah, that's your number two. Yeah. So your number one's got to be fucking. We'll see. You know, it's it's uh, it's sad that we never got to see the true vaudeville circuit. That was one of the things that, as a child, I always wanted to yeah, see. Yeah, because you can get a little bodier and stuff like that. Not only could you get a little bodier, but a lot of people have said, like, Bob Hope, that was the funniest he was ever. And I always liked Bob Hope, yeah. but uh, he never let anyone record his comedy, his stand-up, because they were so paranoid about stealing jokes. Yeah. Uh, so no one could ever record it. So there's no recording of him doing his stand-up. You get what he does. Um, and I guess he was just genius, brilliant. Uh, and there's a few other that traveled the circuit that never really broke into uh, mainstream after that that were supposed to be considered among the best ever, the, the guys who really uh, inspired the ones who we think are so funny. 
So yeah, that was always sad. But that's who's on first is an old vaudevillian bit that they used to do. Uh, since you took my second one, also we were tied with that one. Um, one of my backups. I'm going to lance it because there's really not one uh, that stands out. But right now, when I watch Whose Line Is It Anyway, um, oh, gotcha. improv show on, on CW, that there's always, always something on there that cracks me up. Yes. Uh, you know, they're doing sketches just off the top of their head. Um, Colin Mockery and, and Ryan Stiles. With Wayne Brady, and they always have a, a rotating person that comes in. Uh, it's just hilarious every single time. I remember being in the hospital uh, watching the show, and it was you know pretty bad timing. No one's going in the hospital. I have fun, and that was making me laugh when I was. Sitting I in always the like when they give them some weird prop. Yeah, and they just okay ten t- uh, two minutes to whatever you can think of. Yeah, and they, you know, they put it on there like the it's a hat thing. or you know. And, and they come up with the stuff so as fast as they do. I mean, even some of the songs that they do, they come up with a song or, or based Wayne on Brady. a character, Wayne Brady, off the top of his head to do all that. Unbelievable. Yeah, they're going to give you a style and a topic, and you have to come up with a whatever. And he does. And he's got a good voice. But uh, And, yeah, Ryan Stiles and uh, what's his name? Uh, Colin Mockery, yeah. Colin Mockery. Uh, brilliant. I'm not going to call them genius, but brilliant. Yes. They are so fucking quick. All right. Do you, so you, that's actually a Dr. Rich because you're kind of qualifying the entire category. Yes, yes I'm sorry. Doctor, more that's a Dr. Dr. Rich. Rich. That's a Dr. Yes. Rich. Lance is just more than one. More than one. Right. All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I trying to think. off I, that one. Yes. <laughs> so I looked at this with all the co- I'm not a very big comedy guy, so the the comedies that are important to me, Monty Python, Mr. Science Theater is not just making fun of movies. They have little right. skits. So for you Mystery Science Theater guys out there, you know what I'm talking about. Rex Dart, Eskimo Spy, and Orville Redenbacher from uh Godzilla vs. Megalon. However, whenever Tom Servo gets into announcer mode. So they they it's during one of the Gamera movies they had him do fighting men and monsters playset and it's literally like a bunch of like plastic army men with like a Gamera doll and stuff like that. You get the Gimp the Goon the the Chinese Kenny the fall apart you know Montezuki Dam. He gets faster and faster until at the end it turns into blue velvet where he's going mummy 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 and they're putting in the, he's putting the, the the air mask in front of him. okay well, honey we're not gonna do that again okay it was it. And, and Ryan and Randy, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. But yes, that did, so that Tom Server doing announcing is one of my favorites. And then there's also the clack skit, which if I put it on YouTube right now, I will start crying because it's uh, kind of a old 80s like, you know, um, uh, the, the where you send away for food. But back before, you know, where it was in like a catalog or something uh-huh. like that. And it was like. Uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle so and is home from the asylum. Let's celebrate with a glass of holiday swill. You know, it's just, it's fucking hysterical. Take my word for it. Brian, what is your number one? <laughs> uh, my number one, and I thought, uh, my sphincter clenched. Did physically clench uh, when you mentioned Carol Burnett, because that was my number one. Uh, Tim Conway, and you went all the way up to it, and I went, <gasps> and then you went to the dentist, and I went, oh. <laughs> The Mama's Family Elephant Sketch. Another one. Yep. <laughs> okay, I had never seen this before. 
and you showed this to me. Yes. Uh, not just the first one is so fucking funny, but the the next when they're coming back to do it again, and the guy says he's not going to do it the same, and they're like, "What? He's not going to do the same bit. It's going to be different." And then he does the with the. The two elephants joined in the trunk. Oh, my God. And the monkey would run out between them. And how he how he must have thought. I can't even imagine. Do you realize how if, for somebody to crack up professional comedians oh, sitting in the same right, set, right. how funny that man had to be? And, there, and there's, you know, like I said, Carol Burnett's given interviews and Harvey before he died, too, where it was like, out of all the people you worked with, who was the funniest, all that kind of stuff, they always go back. Tim Conway, Tim Conway. He just went to places and thought of things that you would be like, where did <laughs> yeah. that come from? I, I can't, you, and you watch him and you look at it, how his mind works when he's going with the snorf and the, the. how does your mind, the, they were lovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She squished him, and, and it didn't help the the rumors that they buried him together. It's fucking crying, yeah. crying. Oh my god, yeah, that is uh, that is one of my. T- I showed it to a kid today, a twenty eight year old, and he's like, I don't get it. I'm gonna watch it again when I get home. <laughs> Just wait for this little asshole to stop. Uh, my number one is, I guess it is a Doctor Rich, but it's very specific. Uh, one. So Saturday, October 3rd, 2009, 8 p.m., I had tickets with my wife to see Robin Williams live at Rosemont Theater. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, oh. That was the funniest hour and a half I've ever spent in my life. My sides were hurting. We literally, my sides hurt when we left the theater. I was laughing so hard. He went off on riffs. I mean, people would get up to go to the bathroom or something, and he'd stop his set, whatever he's doing. He'd follow him. He'd, he'd harass <laughs> him, leaving the show. Uh, just And then as he's coming back, he's talking to people and making things up as he goes back. Unfreaking believable. He was so funny. I've seen you know, other comedians. I've seen uh, Dennis Miller. I've seen... Uh, I'm trying to think of some uh, Dana Carvey. There are some others that I saw from SNL. He was the funniest person I've ever seen. It was I just unbelievable. Can't even imagine. And and they they didn't record it, but they recorded the routine. It's on a DVD, uh, an evening with Robin Williams, and I have that DVD. And that's the funniest thing I've ever seen live in person watching something. Just unbelievable how his mind worked. All right. Well, I will condense mine because we have like 15 seconds left. Ooh. Anything from Mel Brooks in the 1970s. And I think Young Frankenstein might have been 80, but Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, the Young producers. Young Frankenstein was. Lily von Stupp, oh. uh, uh, Raul Blucher, all the great. Uh, everything that that guy does is absolutely the funniest things ever. That was our top three favorite comedy bits. Hopefully this was one of yours. All right. Well, here's the segment where the podcast is about to get a lot worse because we are at number 13 on Tubi's list of the worst movies of all time. And we are talking about Three Stooges in Orbit from 1962. 
directed by longtime Stooge director Edward Burns, uh, with a screenplay by Elwood Ullman, a story by Norman Maurer, and starring Mo Howard, Larry Fine, and the fifth replacement for Curly, Joe Dorita, uh, Emil Sitka, uh, Carol Christensen, Edson Stroll, and George N. Nice, and the... I think the biggest complaint of this is a it was the fifth replacement for Curly, and and b that these guys were a little long in the tooth to be doing. I mean, like if by sixty two comedy had kind of changed, yeah, and these yeah. guys were still doing the same old kind of stuff. Maybe, I mean, I didn't find it offensive. I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, did I want an hour of my life back? No. Did I wish? I thought it was sad. I j- I like did. the last, their last grasp at trying to be famous or something like you know, that. I, I kind of felt uh, a little bit like, is it, is it because they got older and they've gotten longer in the tooth, and it's kind of like seeing your grandparents do slapstick, or is it because I've gotten older, and it's just not as funny anymore? But um, I liked the movie. I I didn't think it was. I thought it was better than the other ones. Definitely. This is how you're up. This is number 13 in Trial of Billy Jack was 17. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding no, me? No, this is just, once again, cementing the proof that they were picking fucking, they were, they, there was no order thought to this. This was just, let's pick some names out of a there, hat, some movies of some movies that we have. There were some stuff that still made me laugh. It's still the Stooges, um, <laughs> right or wrong. I the part where all the generals are getting the pies in the face from the hell, it still made me laugh. It was still funny. I thought that the, when the oh no we gotta knock a hole in the wall yeah. and he's using the wrong oh no no you're using cool. the wrong end and he takes it to the other wall <laughs> do it on this side with the point I was laughing I yeah. thought that was really yeah. clever yeah. yeah I thought it was I thought it was too I liked I liked the movie it, it, it's not the Three Stooges classic it's not you know the stuff they were doing in the early times but it wasn't a bad movie I don't think it needs to be if it's not if it is on this list it's certainly not at number thirteen. No. But I don't even think it should be on the list, personally. But it wasn't a bad movie. Um, there was stuff that uh, I thought that the Martian guys were kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I like the, the butler. Stuff that they the were butler doing. is a Martian guy. We made you look human. Yeah. And you still failed us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, they developed this language that made that like had grammar and diction and like it made it was like dothraki or something like that somebody thought of this and said okay this is how languages work we're going to use the same word for the and we're going to use the same word for no and you know somebody actually thought put some thought into it you know yeah and uh you know the parts that i liked uh you could tell at times they were using a little model of the submarine and it was you know going through the sand and stuff i mean you could tell it was a it was a model i liked the fact when it was uh Flying around and trying to go outside, and so it went up in the shower because it could sense where water was. And Curly was in the shower. Then it goes across to the where the gals, yeah, where the gals in the bathtub. I thought that was funny. I thought yeah. it was kind of yeah. Uh, so you've you know, got basically uh, the three Stooges are kicked out of their apartment for cooking in there, but they have a TV show coming up or something like that. Uh, they, uh, they go to, uh, they see an ad in the paper where we're going to give you an unlimited, you know, a nice house. We'll give you unlimited rent and stuff like that. It's some crazy scientist who's got this, you know, land, air, sea submarine that he's developing that, that can, can also, orbit. that can go into <laughs> orbit. Uh, the, uh, there's a 
bunch of aliens who are trying to they 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 know that this is the only machine that can stop them or whatever, so they're trying to sabotage it and stuff like that. They replace the doctor's butler with one of their own guys and stuff like that. And um Yeah, I mean it's just it was it was wacky, it was slapsticky, you know. Was it the was it prime three stooges, you know, absolutely not. That's no. what I mean, and that's why I said it was sad. Um I don't know if they got stuck in or pigeonholed into uh, this is what we all think is funny. Yeah. It seems to me that guys who were that bright at the time would have evolved into something. Yeah. I, I think at that time, I, I think in Hollywood, you didn't. there was no way that you could evolve. It was like, this is your shtick. This is what you do. We made money on you before so you have to do the same thing again for us to make money okay and and then on that so on that same vein i i okay so like i'm the old person network watching guy or whatever so before svengoli comes on they have like two hours of three stooges so i, I watch you know i flip it on and i got it in the background on it you know and it's you know it's the three stooges your mileage may vary however to your point mike is this is this a, did they suffer from the same thing that like George Reeves suffered from and and Adam West like George Reeves literally like I remember always remember from Hollywoodland like he was supposed to be in From Here to Eternity he was supposed to be like a, a serious dramatic role right. and they had a test screening and everybody's like oh look it's Superman and they they basically recast the part because nobody took him seriously and Adam West for the longest time was he was Batman he was the campy Batman oh you know commissioner and you know you vile hussy and you know and it, until he realized where his place was in popular culture, and he embraced that, he was kind of a joke. Now, and again, strangely enough, I, I, you know, the old person network, I had uh, the Rifleman on. It, again, I had some. I was, you know, watching basketball scores, and I had this on, and a bunch of stuff. And Adam West was in. He was a cowboy. He was like the killer. He was this really interesting. Oh, I, I was a, a school teacher, and. Some guys killed my wife, and I, you know, I liked guns, and I, I ended up going after the guy, and I was faster than him. And all of a sudden, everybody heard about it, and then I'm all, all of a sudden, everybody's coming to try. It was like the typical Western, like, I'm the fastest gun in the West, so everybody's going to try and see if they're faster than me. And it was a really, for a little half an hour, 50s Western, it was a really interesting story. And he was really good in it. And then he gets Batman, and he gets pigeonholed. I mean, I got to think that... The Three Stooges, they did it from, like, I think the 40s through the 60s. If you've been doing something for 20 years, that's kind of what people come to expect. I think it was even before the 40s. Oh, no, that's it might yeah, even been vaudeville. the 30s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Vaudeville. Or vaudeville and stuff vaudeville, like that. Yeah, yeah I was, you know, it was funny. You were saying it's the fifth replacement for Curly. No, Curly was the first replacement for Shen. Oh, really? It was the original Shen. It was Larry Moe, or Larry, yeah, Larry Moe and Shen. And then Shemp couldn't do it, so then Curly came on, who was their cousin. Yeah. Shemp and Moe were brothers. Uh, Curly was Shemp and Moe's cousin. He came in. That's when they became on TV, and that's Curly. That's where we know Curly from. Then Curly had a stroke. Shemp came back and did it for however long he could, but he was a drinker. Uh, And then you get uh, the the Joes that come in. Yeah, I... (laughs) I agree with you. I think they did get pigeonholed, and, and this is what people knew them for. This is what Hollywood knew yeah. them for. And I think it's not so much if they wanted to do it or they wanted to grow or the fans wanted to. I think Hollywood at that time, especially, like you said, with Adam West, George Reed, this is who you are. We can't put you in 
from here to eternity because they're going to see Batman. It still happens where right. actors can't, you know, we talked uh, months ago about Tom Welling. He didn't want to put the cape on because he didn't want to be pigeonholed as, as Superman. It still happens to this day, but I think in this case, when you watch the Three Stooges, you're kind of like, yeah, it's the Three Stooges, but it's not the classics. Yeah. It's not the stuff that when we were young or watching it from the 30s or 40s, it's not the stuff that we remember. It, it's got elements there. You can kind of see elements, and you can kind of see why they who why they were who they were, just from the routines and the stuff they had to do and the timing that they had. But uh, it still it doesn't mean it was a bad movie. It doesn't mean it needs to be on the list. It's just okay. You know, it's not one of the better Three Stooges. I saw an interesting thing on uh, Laurel and Hardy. Which is an interesting story if you're ever into just an interesting early Hollywood story. But anyway, uh, their manager, who was a real prick and stole everything from them, those guys died broke. Um, but he gave them creative freedom. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And so for years, they had the right to do whatever, and Laurel and Hardy were brilliant. Fucking brilliant. And it was really um, uh, Laurel more than Hardy. Hardy was just a guy. Who acted? That was it. Um, Laurel wrote most of it. Um, but uh, they finally got out of that contract. They finally were able to break that contract, and then they signed with, I believe it was 20th Century Fox. Um, and so now they were going to make the money, but they didn't have the freedom. Somebody else was now writing their stuff. And so if you look, the, the later years... Are very weak because it's a it's a weak depiction of what Laurel and Hardy would have been, and I think that that's the same thing with the Three Stooges. You want to be in this film, you want to make the money, you're going to do what we say, and this is what we're going to tell yeah, you to yeah. do. And so you could see that they were phoning it in. They weren't. Yeah. Well, I, I, the other thing too that I found out interesting on this, so you know, they did the whole cartoon. They had a show. They had a cartoon yeah. that they were trying to sell. So they were actually trying to sell a Three Stooges cartoon. They had. The pilot done. Mm. It never got picked up, so they had spent thirty thousand dollars at the time, in '62, <clears throat> to try Jesus. to get this cartoon on the air. They couldn't get the cartoon on the air because they, you know, basically they were told no one's going to watch a Three Stooges cartoon. So uh, they used when you see it in the in the movie, the, that's actual part of what they did to try to recoup some of their losses so they could get some of that money, but. That idea of an electronic cartoon, mm -hmm. that was real, that they were way out of their time. And I don't know if it's the director. I think the Stooges were involved with it. I don't know if it was more that long-term director. But he was trying to develop a way to do electronic car cartoons from just what they showed on the show, which was them acting, and then basically it would animate everything. And do it electronically where nobody would draw anything. Mm -hmm. It never worked. They couldn't get it to work. It just, you know, but it shows they were trying to get to the next level. They were trying to do different things. Right. I think, one, they were just limited because of the time and the era that they were in. Just from the attitudes of the people, the, the way the environment was at the time, but also the technology. He, he Basically, this guy was, I don't again, I don't know how much the Stooges were involved with it. I know that they were part of this electronic cartoon that was trying to be developed but you're talking about pixar 
in yeah. the in the sixties. Yeah, motion capture in the sixties, right. essentially. Yeah. Just goes to show there's no never no there's no new ideas. It's all, it's uh, you know all, what? We all tried it before. The only thing I can say is why the fuck did they go with Curly Joe then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to do the cartoon, do Curly, because that was the classic. That's the classic lineup. Well, and the other thing too is when you watch Curly Joe, you're kind of like, you know, he must have been a friend or a cousin or somebody, but yeah, get someone that can kind of play that role a little bit, or or adapt it because he he doesn't. He's trying to be Curly, but he's right. not because Curly's likable and he can play the, yeah. the big goof. You know, there's a naivete that comes along yeah. with yes. Curly. Yes. There's an innocence that yeah. comes along with. Curly. He's not stupid. No, but you don't get that with Curly Joe. You don't get that with Curly, Curly Joe. Curly Joe is more like, I'm going to pretend I'm naive. I'm going to pretend I'm innocent. By not, I kind of have it in the back of my head, so I'll play along with it. It's like uh, Chrissy from Three's Company when they tried to replace her. With the smart chick, yeah, yeah. Priscilla Barnes, it was never going to work, right? Because she was not, uh, yeah, she wasn't flighty. She wasn't flighty, but she didn't have that that um, the cheesecake element. Yeah, there's a, and and that's Curly. Is is he wasn't stupid. He wasn't retarded. He was, he was naive. He was likable. He was simple. Yeah, but well, he, and I think on talent, you know, we've said before, when you're doing comedy, you have to be really really talented the the best comedians the best people that doing comedy are extremely talented in what they do because it they make it look so easy to do yep right and you can you can look at curly and go like oh the guy's an idiot he's he's got the no he's smart he knows exactly what he was doing he knows exactly how to play it and when you look at curly joe you're just like Okay, you're, you're, I know you're you're giving it the best you got, but you just don't have the talent. Well, and the, the dynamic changes from uh, Larry Mo Curley to Larry Mo Shemp, and Shemp had that same kind of quality. It was it was a, a the, the simple yeah yeah average he guy could, kind could, of he thing. He could be a nice, yeah. He could play that yeah. again, not an idiot by no stretch of the imagination. But uh, and again, so you have that. But as you get to Curly Joe, it changes the dynamics between Mo and Larry. And Larry and Curly Joe, that it changes the team, right? Uh, and I always think that the team is so important. But uh, yeah, that's um. All right, so uh, the three students in order. What are we uh, we're gonna rate this one, boys? You know what? I'm gonna give it a three. Um, it could be average, like you said. It shouldn't be on the list. No. Uh, but it's the three Stooges, and you got to give them something just for being the three, three Stooges. Stooges. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go two and a half, but. I'm gonna kick it up to three because I don't think it should be on the list either. So, and I, I like to part with the uh, right after the uh, pies going in the face. They they were doing the whole thing with the uh, the girls that were doing laundry or something outside, and then they picked up the uh, the underwear and the general was wearing the bra. You know, <laughs> fell on him. I, I'm gonna give it a three. That made the, me laugh the out loud. That was nurse's funny. shower. The nurse's yeah. shower. That yeah. was. You know what? Again, they they get into the yeah. the, the, the air force guy walks in and immediately falls in love with the daughter and and he. Uh, yeah, that was that was a little annoying because <laughs> you got all this other stuff going on. <laughs> all he's doing is just looking at. They're looking at each other's <laughs> eyes. Yeah. Oh, Tom, but you're I, such a hoot. Yeah, I was going to go two and a half, but I'll go three. I All right. I, you know what? 
I didn't hate it. I I didn't mind watching it. I didn't want my time back. Would I watch it again? No. You know what? Two and a half stars. To be shame on you. Your your rating movies is bad and they're not terrible. There's much worse out there. We've watched much worse. God, There's yes. much worse on this list that should be lower down. Shame on you. Let's know what you think. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, so for Sunday afternoon Kung Fu Theater, we watched a modern one, and that is 2016's League of Gods, which was directed by uh, Koan Hui, with a screenplay by, and if this is your real name, Charcoal Tan. Right on. Chung Chi Kuang, Samson's son, starring Jet Li, Tony Leung, Fan Bingbing, Louis Ku, Mark Wang, Angela Baby, and Wayne Zhang, and uh, this is based off of, from what my understanding is, a pretty famous fantasy novel called Investiture of the Gods. It was Ming Dynasty. Ming Dynasty mixed with some uh, Chinese mythology and stuff yeah. like that. This movie uh, won the, the Hong Kong equivalent of the Golden Raspberries. It won the Golden Broom Award for Worst Picture and nominated for Worst Director. Uh, Angela Baby also won the uh, Golden Plum Award for being the Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> However, uh, it was nominated for Best uh, Costume Makeup Design uh, in the the Hong Kong equivalent of the Oscar Awards. And uh, so you've got a kind of a mixed bag here. And what I will say is... Dwayne The Rock Johnson has always threatened to remake. He says his favorite movie of all time is Big Trouble in Little China. He's always he's like, he, he's always I, I'm just saying this lovingly. He's threatened to remake this. He yeah, because he's a he prick. wants he wants John Carpenter involved and stuff like that. However, if they remade Big Trouble in Little China, I think it would go a little something like this. I agree. I had a ton of fun. This movie was so much fun. It was so kind of wacky. It was nutty. It, this is what I wanted. This this was. I, I, it, it was it, it was so over the top. Yeah. It had such cool set pieces. It just it was great. I mean, it was just what I, I mean. And there's a second half to this. So I'm I'm sure we're gonna put this on the list because we gotta find out what the hell happens to. Uh, yeah. The, the the wing guy and uh, and uh, the guy with the golden armor and the baby guy and all these guys with the wind and fire wheels. Uh, but yeah, this movie was super fun. So yeah, you, you have the um, the King Zhu, uh, who is the cruel emperor controlled by the uh, nine tailed demon fox. The demon fox. fox. Demon. And I thought that was. I, and I've I've read enough kind of Asian mythology where I know that they consider the fox. Uh, mythical and the nine-tailed foxes in Japanese and Chinese mythology. I thought the, and Pokemon and Pokemon, and but the way that they handled it, where her her tails were like fucking Cthulhu fucking tentacles with like mouths on them. I thought that was fucking awesome. And they would open and they were like peacock eyes. Yeah, I thought that was fucking cool. And you have uh, the uh, opposing forces uh, with a, their own Gandalf, who's played by Jet Li. And it's a basically a fan. It's it's we got to go get the sword to stop this this evil dragon king emperor guy and his and his you know concubine the 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 fox demon. Yeah, 
And then they they put the weird fucking little baby thing in. Yeah. So there's uh the one hero is uh. Uh, the one here, yeah, I, I forget the guy's name. Uh, the, guy, he, the guy without the uh, wings, or he, he can't fly from the... No, he's the guy from the Wing Clan, so he's, wing clan. Like, he's like the orphan from the Wing Clan because it got destroyed or whatever. Yeah. But, the, yeah, the, so the one guy's cursed to be like a baby. Uh, and you have this... Nasha. Yeah. And, and and you have this, this, this baby running around doing crazy... You know, CGI, it's a completely CGI character, and it's a baby doing kung fu, essentially. Yeah. Fighting like Yoda. Fighting like Yoda, except when he literally has a... And this is where I was like, Brian's loving this. <laughs> you, I know exactly <laughs> where you're going with this. When he fights, the, the, when he fights goes out to the, the, the kingdom of the mermen, and fights all the mermen using his farts. Even before that, with the urine. Yes, he had the fire hose urine. He was peeing on them. I was fucking then, crying. I know. Went, I know you were. Right. I heard you. We live. We live twenty miles apart. <laughs> I heard you crying from my house during this scene. I and I crying. have to admit, I am not a scatological humor guy. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be fucking Boom. kidding me. I, I thought I liked the, the that part. I liked the part with uh, the baby farting. Uh, he takes he farts so hard he takes the giant crab creature and, and he slams it into a wall. Yeah, slams it into a wall and cracks it in half. Cracks it in half. Yeah, um, that one part was funny. I can kind of see though why this one the uh, equivalent of the golden raspberry. Um, it look it has a nice look to it, but I I just thought it was way more of a. It's kind of like watching a video game. Yeah. Like, there's so much CGI in it. There's so much... Uh, the colors are really bright. The costumes are great. I understand why it won an award for costumes. I mean, just uh, the Black Fox, her costume... To, I, oh, she, first of all, to, that to woman is one of the most gorgeous women I have ever seen ever in the history of this planet. First of all. She was foxy. She certainly was. <laughs> um, but... I had no idea what was going on for most of this movie, and I still had a ton of fun, a ton of fun watching. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing. I was trying to, like you said, figure out what the hell was going on the entire movie. Who, what are they trying to do? Who's? And yeah, I got the the general gist of it, but you know, it went from they have to go into this fortress to rescue the golden. The the, uh, the older guy that can see into the future, but he loses one of his clan. eyeballs. The Invisible Clan, and they're going through the sewer, and which I thought was kind of cool. Put the shields together and, and make, make like a like, raft. Yeah, make like a raft and put the 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 albino white the white albino kids on it. And the Invisible Kids. The Invisible Kids. The invisible Get them out. Um, and I'm like, okay, so we're doing what? Where are we going? What is after this? And it was just. I thought the storytelling, and maybe it's because of the translation or something, the storytelling was like and not not the easiest thing to follow. Like, what the heck's going on? Right. So this was one of those like, and Brian, you say like you know, good movies like don't require a lot of exposition. This was like you know, oh, he's part of the flying clan, the wing clan, and this guy's a part of the invisible clan, and you know, these are the warriors from Xingbai, and. You needed a fu- I needed a fucking scorecard to keep track of it. I just basically... There was a point about 15 minutes in where I was like, oh, Jet Li's Gandalf? Okay, I'm good. 
You know, I was just like, I'm not going to try to figure this fucking out. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this roller coaster ride. I was trying to figure out where he was because you don't see him for, like you said, 15, 20 minutes into the movie. It's like, okay, this is a Jet Li movie. Where is Jet Li? I want to see Jet Li do some Jet Li fighting stuff, right? And and then it's like when you do see him, they got him. He's really old. He's got the like you said, the Gandalf beard. He's in the white robe, and he, and he doesn't do any kung fu stuff. He's doing Gandalf he's magic doing stuff, sorcery and, and yeah, and magic like, and stuff like and that. I'm like, really, this is this is the kung fu movie that we're watching. There's no kung fu going on. Oh, there was no. I mean, well, with Jet Li. So okay. So yes, with the uh, when they enter the. The uh, the palace palace, good fight scenes. They're doing a bunch of which really, I don't know if it was there was some wire work because they're bouncing off oh, the shit, walls yeah, yeah. Going, wire going left and right. I thought some of it was way over the top. They're spinning sure. and doing bouncing off the walls, um, but at the same time, I'm still maybe I was expecting more of the Shaw Brothers type, or I was expecting more of. Uh, Matrix. Matrix kind of kung fu. Uh, this one just, I didn't enjoy it as much as I as I should have. Okay. Um, do I want my time back watching it? Yeah, yeah a little bit I do. <laughs> but I also want to know what happens on the next one. <laughs> because, okay. Because it ends so ab- abruptly, and you're like, wait a minute. I spent two and a <laughs> half hours watching this, and there's no, I don't know what the, what the ending is. Yeah. No, this I, I kind of made an illusion like you know I don't want to call not knowing not having read having read the story the the way I, I the impression that I got was this is almost like Lord of the Rings for for China or something like that so it's a big long epic yes. tale and stuff yes. like that they obviously split it into two parts so we got we probably have to watch the second part just to, like Mike said to fi- figure out what went on here but you know that sometimes and and this hit me just maybe in the right sweet spot because my personal life's been hell lately. Sometimes you just got to turn out, you got to watch the bright colors and the wire kung fu and not try to figure out what's going on and just have a good time. You know what? I, I, a lot of it I chalked up to, especially if I got lost, is just not knowing um, how the Chinese tell a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's how their myths and legends go. I was excited in that uh, it wasn't going kind of how the Western world would go. You can kind of pick up. Where you're at in a story, even yeah. if you're just, even if you come in in the middle, you can. Oh, okay, now I know where I'm at. Oh yeah, uh, if you come in the middle of this movie, I'd be totally lost. What no, the hell is going on? Yeah, the the yeah. structure of it in in for for uh, the Chinese storytelling was much different, uh, which made it fun for me. Uh, I was able to let go of a lot and just enjoy and have fun with the baby bouncing all over the place and the little uh, merman. Yeah, oh, you, you broke my back. It was like it was like I think something you was took like my spinal. You took cord. my spinal cord out or something. It was like yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. it's a little cute little baby merman, and you're you're you know ripping him apart or something. You're like such that. a bully. You took my spinal cord. Yeah, what? Yeah. And they have a what is it? A piece of uh, a plant that's the uh, uh, like yes. the Jiminy the magic kind of the thing? magic grass. That's the, the Jiminy the Cricket. He's just like a yeah. stalk of grass with an yeah. eye on the end of it and stuff yeah. like that. And he's got the weird little voice. Yeah, and he keeps talking, and then. Uh, and then yeah, you get her with the with the tail. Uh, what's her Finn Bang Bang or? Uh, yes. <laughs> Finn Bang Bang. Finn Bang Bang or Fan Bing Bing. Fan Bing Bing. Fan Bing Bing. Uh, who was stunning. Uh, and then oh, and then Angela Baby who who has the. Which I thought one, it was so was cool. Angela, she was the wooden one. 
Okay. The one with the memory. That she was a spy, and so every night he would take her memories. Yeah, and so I, thought, every morning I actually thought she, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, that whole story yeah. was, uh, I don't want to forget you. I don't want to... Yeah, I looked at my wife, and and she looked at me and goes, are we watching... Uh, uh, Pinocchio? No, we're, the Adam Sandler movie where 51st Date. 51st Date. She, she forgets every single time she wakes up in the morning. Yeah. Like, yeah, she forgets. She doesn't have any memory of... Because he's taking... He takes Remember them to, to spy on him yes. to figure out what's going on. I, I did thought think that was a interesting part of it, but and it was kind of sad. She, I don't know if she dies again at the end of the movie. She's a piece of wood, but he leaves her on the on the, uh, the like the the, the asteroid yeah, the with asteroid. the yeah. uh, with the engraving of the solar bird. Yeah. Uh, so she can watch every sunrise. And you knew he was, when she was falling, you knew he was finally going to get those wings and, and save oh, her yeah. and everything. I mean, you knew that was coming. So, I, I, you know, it's, I can kind of see why, if I knew more about the mythology and, and the culture and everything, I can see why this would be a long-term fantasy, what would you call it, uh, myth for the uh-huh. culture. But for me, it was just like, maybe it's because I wasn't raised in the culture and I don't know where, where, where the importance of some of the characters or... Or, or what they do. do. Yeah, or what they do. Or, okay, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Who's who's going to turn? Who's yeah. going to, you know... Yeah, you don't know. And and that's what kind of makes it fun. Uh, I thought that the, the set pieces were unfucking real Yeah, this was just, like, a, this was like, you know, uh, Avengers Kung Fu, if you will. Yeah, it had to be basically two or three actors in front of a any a green screen with nothing else in front of them. Right, wearing these huge costumes, and I don't think anything else, maybe except the stuff they were holding, like the the shields at the beginning, or maybe a sword. I don't think anything else was real. I think it was all CGI. Yeah, this is like the Man- the Mandalorian where like the entire set is the like the entire you set. Know. Everything it had to be like three actors in front of a green screen. Yeah, and you never got that. Imp- it wasn't like you never got that impression. It was like you know, oh, we're doing a, a high school play or something like that. It was no. It felt but, it. You know, it felt it, it. I mean, it was wild. It was fantastic. It felt kind of you know these people were living in this kind of wild, fantastic thing. Um, I love the floating kind of battleships. Yeah, like the city kind of came apart yes. and became like these floating battle. I was like that. What a cool concept, you yes. know? Yes, and then the the big pillars coming up to to, to try I to was knock them. That. that was cool. Yeah, uh, there the the porta boat idea was really cool. Yeah, and then there was the like it was like a witch who had the porta boat, and yeah. she was obsessed with Gandalf, and she tried to capture the the heroine is like and the heroine and his and her spell like this dream yes. world type of thing and stuff like that. I mean, there was a lot to this movie, and it, it and it was. The best way I can describe it is, dude, shut your brain off and enjoy yes. the ride. Don't yeah. try to figure this one out. Just it's a it's a, it's just a wild kung fu movie. Again, if they incorporated like if they did more trouble in Little China or something, and they incorporated some of this in it. I'd be a hundred percent happy with it. Yeah, I don't think they should redo that. I don't think they should either. But that's a completely <laughs> different podcast. All right. That being said, what did we think of uh, League of Gods, there, fellas? I'm giving it a four. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I thought that the effects were great. I thought that the characters were great. I liked what they did with everybody. Uh, yeah, we're watching two. So. Yeah, I, I can't go that high. Uh, <laughs> it's just, 
It's so confusing sometimes where it's like, <laughs> going to pick up the story or figure out who is who is part of whose camp. Um, but great costumes. Uh, <laughs> one, it got made. You know, so I give it a start for that. But I've never seen a little animated baby uh, fart, <laughs> fart his villains to death. Uh, even though we have seen someone uh, urinate, which was... Uh, Ghost Rider in the second one was urinating fire, but he didn't use it on villains. This one actually that was, was fucking great how he used, used it on the used villains. Used it on the villains. So I'll give it two stars, one for the baby Nezra and one for getting made in the costumes. Alright. Um <laughs> I was looking for a movie to put on the nine venom scale. Cause nine venoms is the what my basis of bonkers kung fu is now. Ah, this is the modern take of Nine Venoms, and again, shut your brain off, enjoy the ride. I'll go three and a half stars. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how this fucker ends. Stick with us on this one. we got a sequel to go, but give it a watch. Turn off your brain. Let us know what you think. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, so we have some catching up to do, and we'll start off here with uh, the uh, latest animated Star Wars offering on the Disney app, and that is The Bad Batch. And we watched episodes 12 and 13, uh, respectively The Outpost and Pabu. And, uh, boy, why did it take them fucking 12 12 episodes to get to one of the best fucking things I've seen on television in a fucking while? Yeah, Yeah, think of the same thing. The fuck? Uh, this was the quality of the filler episodes that I expected from them. They gave me ten shit, and then they, they started to get interesting, uh, and now they're remaining interesting. And yeah, this one, which was... Are you fucking kidding me? Um, yeah, so the outpost is... Uh, crosshairs is assigned to a, you know, outer... You know, the typical outer rim, you know, remote... Outpost. There's only three clone troopers left because of the partisans on the on the planet. It's like uh, it's kind of like Hoth. It's like real cold and mountainous and stuff like that. Uh, they of course got a dick, you know, human lieutenant or whatever. And uh, uh, Crosshairs bonds with the commander of the outpost, and, and basically the lieutenant sends sends them out to oh well, this, we're, our supplies are always getting raided. Go find these guys and take care of them and stuff yeah, like and what that. What they have to guard. It's all, they don't even know what they're guarding. They don't even know what they're guarding. But they have to guard it. It's vital. <coughs> it's important. you got to make sure the uh, raiders don't get it. You have to do whatever it takes. Make sure that you protect the supplies. Correct. And they go out and, uh, and I, I always complain, oh, they always use stun settings and stuff like that. They kill everybody. Oh, God, yeah. They are killing everybody. They get tra- trapped in under an avalanche. They dig themselves out. They walk their Asses all the way back to the outpost. And Crosshair carries him for the most yes. part. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the clone that he is bonded with is gravely injured. They get him back to the outpost. He's begging for a medic. The, the clone dies. And Crosshair just smokes the fucking lieutenant guy. And I was like, but he says some mean shit. Oh, dude, no. Yeah. I... I, I the most they made him the most unsympathetic yes. fucking. You know he was the minute I die. saw this guy, he's dead. Well, yeah. Even halfway through the show, I'm like, please just shoot the guy yeah. already. Oh, yeah. He oh, is. Yeah. He is. You knew they were gonna frack him. Yes. 
Funny that you should mention Frackum because that's a Vietnam term. Uh-huh. And I I if this was not allegorical to soldiers in Vietnam or soldiers in fucking Iraq or Afghanistan or something like that, this I felt cold and lonely and hungry watching this episode, dude. Yeah. This was as gut-wrenching as it got to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um finally we get to see Crosshairs. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh too long. Uh, and it seems, you know what, forgive me, but it seems like he's the only character that they're showing growth to this season. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking, too, that this episode was basically the turning point for, for Crosshair as good soldiers don't just follow orders. Because if he was a good soldier and followed orders, he wouldn't have shot his boss. Right. Um... And I think he's starting to realize that there's more to being a good soldier than blindly following orders. And I think this is going to lead to, I'm hoping, the return of Crosshair to the Bad Batch, to to the other group. Has he done enough damage that, that, well, he hasn't really done enough damage to the group. I mean, they don't know half the shit that he's been pulling. No, no. What he's been doing no. hasn't affected them. I, I want to see if it's, you know, because now, I don't want to get into the next episode yet, but with the with the following episode, you know, you kind of see that they're putting the needs of other people and helping out where they're needed. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing all these other jobs where have been kind of, yeah, it's been filler, but they've also been kind of, hey, I'm going to help the uh the Wookiee kid get, reunite with his planet, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to help him do this. And, and, you know, now you get to see, like, their agendas are starting to align, where it's like there's more to do than just blindly follow orders. Yes. Okay, so we do find out that the cargo that they're, or the, the supplies that they're guarding are the modern stormtrooper stuff. the stormtrooper uniforms. And he's like... This this is yeah, what we've been this guarding. This is what we've been we sacrificing, sacrificing yeah. our lives. This is what my men lost their lives for. And then uh, at the very end, so uh, Crosshairs collapses from exhaustion. He wakes up in an Imperial operating chamber, and they basically say, "If you want to survive this, then cooperate." <laughs> so hopefully that puts Crosshairs in a that's that's putting Crosshairs in a spot where the rest of the Bad Batch can come in and rescue him or whatever. Yeah. Or they're going to make him so way evil. I'm going to Darth Vader him, I guess. Yeah, they could Darth Vader. They could, you know, they, they could. I didn't even. I didn't even think of that. I did not even think of that. Huh. Yeah, I don't know that really as a character the crosshairs could join the team again. Mm. You think he's too ir- irredeemable? I do. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think. I think there's this whole thing has been about you know, a whole season. Has been wandering. We've said the filler episodes. What's the point of the, of the season? I think it is about uh, if you leave your family to go find yourself. If you do, if you disagree with everything, there's always a place you can go back to that they'll take you back if you want to work with them on it. I think that's kind of what they're doing. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm reading too much into or it. Or maybe but. he just stays on Papu and. Or he could just become a, a villain that they are reluctant to fight. I, I don't know. Sign of good TV is you don't know where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right, so then we've got the second episode, which is Pabu, 
which uh, officially they have cut ties with Sid. Not officially. Uh, it's literally they're, they're, on the Wikipedia. Actually, I'll take that back. After informally cutting ties with informally. Sid. Informally. Yeah, they're it's ghosting her. It's been 20 her. rotations. Yeah, they're ghosting her. They're ghosting her, and but she reminds them to. that it, with, with what she knows, it's a bad idea. Uh, and they are they team up with uh, Fijinoa, uh to rescue and a really great. How can uh, there needs to be at least one cantina shootout in every Star Wars thing ever? Because they're always fun. Yes, but they have a really great shootout in the cantina. They rescue a a, a, a price you know a priceless one of a kind artifact for some guys or whatever, and they uh, and. Fee takes them to the peaceful island of Pabu, and it's the idyllic, you know, oh, the mayor knows everybody's name, and everybody's really nice to each other, and there's kids for Omega to play with, and uh, it becomes man versus nature as there is a uh, a tsunami, there's an earthquake underwater, lower Pabu is threatened, and they need to rescue a bunch of people, and uh, the, uh, you know, the, the Bad Batch has basically found a a safe haven where they're not used to, you know, Wrecker's, you know, eating so much he's, he's actually full and Tech is watching the, the sunset with uh, Fijinoa and the lights all come on and it's beautiful and stuff like that. And they kind of have a chance to breathe and, you know, actually be human beings. And uh, at the end, they do manage to rescue everybody and they're like, oh, it's going to take a lot of work to get Lower Pabu back in operation. And then the, and the, um, the Bad Batch essentially says, well, we'll stick around and give you a hand. So you got a feeling that they're going to, the, 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 at least in the short term, they've found a, a safe haven that they're going to be hiding out at it for a while. So that leads to what is, you know, if they ended the season here, they could end the series or whatever, but you know something is going to happen because there's three episodes left. Yes. Something's going to happen. And the next episode is called Tipping Point, so that's... Sounds like a Crosshairs episode to me. I'm sure that'll intersect in some capacity. I don't think they, they're going to leave. Well, they left a b- pretty big cliffhanger and waited 12 episodes to deal with it from the first season. But, um, yeah, so this was, again, a... a, a Excellent. A really good, a really good you know... A slow down, kind of take a look at the crew, what they want. It was a great little episode for uh, Omega, I thought, uh, because they're right. She doesn't have kids her own age. Um... I, 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 it, was it Hunter? He actually made a comment, uh, or was it Hunter or Tech that really haven't heard her laugh like that? Yeah. You know, she's Tick. playing it. Tick. <laughs> well, Tick. No, the other thing was uh, that I thought was interesting was when she said, like, there's no, well, we never had, you know, like Tech goes, well, we, we didn't grow up with kids. Right. You know, like, and you're kind of looking around and like, well, you're all kind of like ciphers. You know, you're, there's, you're just, you're, you play your role and there's, but there's no, Humanity to you, yeah, you know, right. except for maybe Haunter. Yeah, you know, you made a comment in the last uh, one about the earlier episode that you felt cold. You you know, you felt what the what the soldiers were going through. Yeah. This one had the episode, uh, the feelings where I was really concerned what was going to happen to Pabu. Were they going to get the people out? I mean, you kind of, you know, it's a, you know, it's a show. They got to go on. No one's going to get lost or killed, but. There was a, a, a gravitas, some desperation there. Was there was jeopardy attached there was to this, was jeopardy yeah. attached, and you were kind of worried, like, was the, was Omega's friend going to die? Was the mayor going to die? Um, and I kind of like to have that tension in the episode where it was, you know, we've said already, 
good television. You don't know where the plot's going. You don't know what they're going to throw at you. And this was kind of like, are they going to make it or not? What are they going to do? Uh, you know, are they going to are they going to save the town? Are they going to come up with something? And no, the town gets what you know. Lower Pabu is wiped out. It's totally decimated. They're all up on the top at Upper Pabu, and you look down and everything that they did in the earlier episode with the lights yeah. and everything, it's gone. Yeah. And you're kind of like, okay, that sucks. What are they? What are they going to do? Are they just going to leave and go back? And they said, no, we're going to try to stay. So. I like that episode. It had some some depth to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll see some changes in the in the next the upcoming. Yeah, you think? Uh yeah, cuz I think that you get some time to relax under your belt and you kind of see how the other half lives. I think they're going to they might do a little bit of a time jump. Maybe, yeah. you know, they're going to have the city rebuild. have a beard and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Even Omega. Uh, <laughs> and they're going to have the, the uh, experimental have been done with crosshair, and they're going to try to, they might find something where they got to, like you said, they're going to intersect, they're going to meet again, maybe crosshair won't be recognizable. Yeah. Do they sick the kaiju clone monster on Pabu? Because like, to me, there was like that, that big that mountain. There's a big yeah. mountain, and uh, to me, there's there's big scale there, so that, that leads itself to... A big monster. I hope, I hope not. I hope not either. I hope not. I like the big monster. I don't. Uh, but. I, I like them having like a, let's call it a home world to go back to. If it's going to be Pabu, yep. I kind of like them having a. A place that a they place can get that, away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, uh, somewhere. And they really. Uh, you know, is this? It makes me wonder if this is the direction they're going to go with the Wanda Sykes character. You know, well, I like the fact that they said, "Well, she's not really a pirate." Yes, she's they more like Indiana kinda, Jones. Yeah, yeah, she's, and and she's a finder of lost artifacts or whatever. You know, but they kind of ma- they've made her a more sympathetic. You know, in the beginning, I thought it's either going to be her or Sid that's going to be yeah uh, the betrayer, and now they've kind of taken her almost all the way out. Yeah. And she's almost Tick's girlfriend. There's a I think, there's I hints. Think, and I think uh, Sid is definitely going to betray him because they got that warning during the the pod racers where the guy said, uh, yeah, yeah. She, don't you trust might, her. You might think she's okay. You might think she's on your side, but don't trust her. And, and yeah, then she already proved coming. it. Yeah, that's coming. She's going to turn him over. But yeah. Yeah. She's going to hand him over to the Empire, so something. So 12, 13 episodes in, it finally gets interesting. That's where we'll see what happened across her. So when she turns him in, because he'll be the guy who gets him. Oh, you think? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, that's going to be that's, mine. I'm always wrong, but that's where I, I, I can think see they that. I could see that, though. I yeah. can see that. It might, be, it might be the one year one time. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. And Keith wasn't here to see it. Damn him. <laughs> Well, a complete turnaround, and I mean, like, if you could basically, with the exception of the introduction of several characters and plot elements, you could forget the entire first ten episodes of this fucking yes. season. Just start, you know, start in on on uh, on uh, the outpost and just take it from there. Because I mean, everything leading up to this was kind of useless, but then it starts getting really fucking. You know, good. it's like uh, they just fucked it off until they were like, "Oh shit, the Mandalorian's about to yeah. start. We better get good, yeah, or we're gonna lose viewers, yeah." And so they did. I just, just, I just think they were just trying to stretch the story out. They weren't kind of sure how to fill out 16 episodes. 
And I think Brian said it best was like, oh, we have this really kick-ass idea for a story that's going to take like five episodes. So now we got, but we but we got <laughs> 16, we got to fill, so we got to figure something out here. Right, right. So let's just fill them. Let's send them. They're garbage collectors. They're, oh, look, they're going to be donut makers on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you get the uh, Lucio ball, like the candy, <laughs> the candy conveyor belt and their stuff. Vegemite and whatever. All right, well, uh, like I said, the, I personally think that the season completely has turned around. I'm looking yes. forward to the next three episodes where this is going. Mike, anything else to add? No, I just thought that uh, last episode, the, the Pabu one, it, it was kind of nice to see uh, Hunter where he's going after. He's kind of looking at Omega a little bit different, like more like it's his daughter. Yes. Where he wants the best for her. He, he's thinking about... Maybe it would be better if we stayed for Omega, you know. So I, I like that aspect where he's becoming more of a father figure for her. It's kind of like Wrecker's the cra- and Wrecker and Tech are the crazy uncles, and yep. he's the father. I kind of like that aspect of it too. All right, well we're uh, we're looking forward to the next three episodes. Stick with us on this one. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! All right, so we also have to catch up with the uh, latest live-action Star Wars offering on the Disney app, and that is The Mandalorian, and we watched episodes two and three, respectively titled The Minds of Mandalore and The Converts. And I was so... I thought the, the this season's quest was going to be, oh, Din Djarin needs to find all these, you know, like all these side missions to get to The Minds of Mandalore and get this taken care of, and they fucking took, just took care Boom. of it. Boom. Took care of it. So now we've got plenty to, to talk about it. Mike, I've got some... I've, I'm totally curious to see what you had to see, say about the third episode. But, yes, you have uh, Din Djarin Din, making famous. He goes to see Pelibota in, on Tatooine. He takes R4-D5 with him. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so R2-D2's understudy yeah. uh, goes to Mandalore to check the... Uh, toxicity of the planet after the bombing by the... Uh, and I take it that that t- took place in Rebels? The, yes. Uh, the Siege Sorry. of Mandalore? Uh, but he, yes, he goes back to Mandalore to check the uh, the toxicity levels to bathe in the minds of Mandalore to uh, be cleansed of his sins. They encounter, I don't know, like a sort of a half-droid, half-cyborg type of a guy who captures the Mandalorian. Uh, and I wish Keith was here because... The, we could say we could rub it in his face and hey, Grogu actually did something, Keith. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he gets captured. Grogu goes and gets Bo-Katan, who comes back and shows what a badass a Mandalorian is with a lightsaber who knows how to fucking use it. You know what? It 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 really begs the question. She's got to be force sensitive. Yes, because she wouldn't be able to right. wield it otherwise. I love how they tied that into it. I thought that that was beautiful. Well, she made a comment that at one time, the uh, when she was talking to Grogu, that you know, at one time her people and the Jedi were allies. Yes, they fought together, and they were oh yeah, all through Clone Wars, and, and, and she knew, and she knew a lot of Jedi. So, uh, you know, I think that's there's something there with yeah, she can she knows how to wield a her sister. A lightsaber. And here's where it gets kind of interesting. Her sister uh, had a thing for Obi Wan. And it was the only, I think, the only woman that Obi-Wan ever had a thing for, Satine. Okay. Which was uh, Bo-Katan's older sister. She was um, 
where Bo-Katan was the warrior fighter rebel. Uh, Satine was the politician. Oh, she was like the Mandalorian representative in the Senate or something like that? She was the president of Mandalore. She oh, okay. was like the leader, the queen. Okay. Uh, Darth Maul kills her. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, was that in Rebels? Or, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Clone Wars. Clone I'm sorry, Wars. Clone okay. Wars. Um, yeah, that's where the whole thing starts with him killing her. Oh, in front of Obi-Wan. It was wicked. Uses the force. He just holds up the lightsaber. Uses the force and rams her on it. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah. Fucking kills her. She dies in Obi-Wan's arms. It's very sad. Uh, but they hinted at a third sister. Oh, okay. So now we've got um, Bo-Katan alone. But is there a third sister? Because they have their nephew, Corky, or whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> Corky. Oliver. Corky. Yeah, Oliver. He was Oliver Brady. Because <laughs> Oliver... Yeah, so that's interesting, because they're talking about, is the third one coming? Um, also, and just as an aside, and it was pointed out to me, and I thought it was fun, have you noticed the, the like the Bad Batch beginning, and the Mandalorian beginning? It's the Dave Filoni kind of shows, Yeah, our Bad Batch, where they show like the Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's the Dave Filoni shows in, in the Bad Batch, and it's the John Favreau shows in the Mandalorian. Yes. As the oh, I haven't noticed it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't either because normally I just skip through that because really I don't want to watch no, it. No, actually, I purposely watched the last couple of intros because I saw something online like, oh, hey, by the way, you should be paying attention to this type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Which I, I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, gosh, I don't know where that was going, but it was fun. Okay, go on. All right, well, needless to say, the, uh, that Bo-Katan rescues the Mandalorian. They go to, you know, she goes, she, she, look, it's just a big pool of water and here's the memorial plaque with the mythosaur she's making fun of it she's making fun of it oh you know i i visited this on a field trip at school or something like that he's totally the religious fanatic starts reciting the the pledge or whatever steps into it completely gets okay completely like falls into the abyss here she goes in to rescue him that you know that's kind of when i i watched that part of it and uh Maybe it's because I'm sitting in Keith's seat here, and and I, I got a little bit of I got a little bit of the uh, the Ruinator coming out. But I'm looking at him, going, "How stupid can you be that you're walking into the water wearing all of that armor?" He that has I personally be thought he thought he was just going to be step like the the way she said it was like, "Oh, the bombing must have opened a crater up or something." Yeah, like but that. I would I would he doesn't know how deep it is. He doesn't know how far it goes down. He, he he's really also can't a religious see it. fanatic. I, I get that, but still, you're wearing all of this armor, and you go into the water, and all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you just sink like a stone, and he, she has to come uh, jump in and get you. I, I just couldn't figure out, like, at least do something to see, like, how deep is it? I mean, t throw a frog in there and have Grogu go get it. See if he can float or use the... <laughs> do something. He can't do anything. It's just like... I, to me, that was, and I know he's a religious fanatic, but one of the dumbest things that I've seen a character do is wearing all of that armor. That's like, that's like King Arthur is wearing all the armor and the sword's in the middle of a rock in the lake and he just decides, I'm going to wear all this armor and go get Excalibur. I mean, I was like, what are you, what are you doing? I agree, but, the, and you know what, the part of the problem that I was having was, so do you strip down to your tidy whiteies and leave the helmet on? 
I would at least take the chest plate and everything off. <laughs> no, I'm something. just picturing that. Him in his little socks and his tidy whiteies wandering <laughs> with the helmet on. It would at least come up with a plan to test how deep it is. It's because, a brain condom. And then on top of it, and then on top of it, he sinks down, right? Obviously, he's got to be drowning because if he pressurized the helmet, because he says when he got out to check the air, he tells Grogu, I'm going to pressurize the helmet, Right. It's pressurized, so he doesn't. If there's anything that's not going to get in, he didn't do that before going into the water. He wouldn't have. It was still pressurized to me. No, because it was turned off because they were. He wouldn't have because the water needed to get to his face. So he he goes into the water. He's sinking. We're really arguing the water needed to get to his face in order to. Okay, I'm sorry. The spawn of the fucking ruinator is standing here, (laughs) hopping back and forth on his feet. What do you have to say, Brandon? I have to be the ruinator and the contrarian right now. (laughs) <laughs> she she jumps Man. she not only go, goes into the water she's using a jetpack to go down she's right. already wearing heavy armor she's gonna speed down like a rocket straight into the ground well she's not gonna have time to make it he's already at the bottom somehow and, and it, which makes no sense if she has to use a rocket to get to the bottom she I, I, should I, technically catch up to him before he hits the bottom if she's using a rocket on top of that okay if the if the is pressurized and he's got air she grabs them from way, way, we're talking several thousand meters down and bring them up. They don't stop for decompression. They don't get the bends on. The, they're going to get the bends as soon as they get up. There's no decompression stops. No, we got to get away because the mythosaur what, what, is down there. Who said that? They, first of all, who said they went down fucking four miles or whatever? They kept falling. She couldn't even get them. He was falling it's, so uh, far. It's not that far it, it, before I, decompression oh. starts. And then we got Mr. fucking YouTube over here saying, oh, it's not that far. Okay, here's here's my thing. 120 feet. Here's my thing. It's, it's the chair. I'm telling you, it's the chair. This is why. Here's my thing. Suspend your fucking disbelief. It's a fucking fantasy show. I've been waiting for fucking a week or two weeks because we were off to say, oh, my God, I jumped up and fucking down when they showed the goddamn mythosaur. So all of you go jump in Lake fucking Michigan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What I was going to say is there's nothing that ever said that they breathe oxygen. Uh, Which is what you would need to do in order to get the bends. It would have to be that oxygen-nitrogen mixture. There's no saying that they breathe that, first of all. But secondly... (laughs) The fucking mythosaur. The fucking mythosaur, dude! <laughs> the fucking I was trying. I fucking you know, literally stood up from my chair and was like, oh my god, it's the fucking mythosaur! You know what I kept thinking about? It was running through my head when I saw the mythosaur is that Joan Osborne song, What If God Was One of Us? Because he talks about if you saw God on a bus, would you want to see him? Because if you saw him, it means you'd have to believe in the things like the saints and the and all that yeah. nonsense. You'd have to believe it all if you could see God. Now, see when I when I saw it, not being as uh, deeply into Star Wars lore as you guys are, I just saw it's oh another big creature in the water that, that Star Wars puts in. I didn't know it had all of this. Well, that was what the plaque she read. Yes, I I, I got I got that, but I wasn't. I didn't know Mythosaur was big, little, small. You know, I had no idea they what it was supposed to be. Made several references to the Mandalorians used to ride Mythosaurs, and the first Mandalore. You know, conquer the planet on the back of a mythosaur, and then you know, and then they kind of elaborate after that or whatever. The prophecy but, is that they'll ride the mythosaur. Yeah, and everybody thought the mythosaur was a mythical beast. Well, I thought it would be more like a dragon, like up in the air. I didn't think it would be like in the underwater. water, underwater. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, know I like that, the and the whole skull thing. Like, well, the skull, because she says that it's where the uh, 
the insignia or yeah. the logo that that comes from. It's the skull. I got that, but still, it wasn't. You know, I guess not being the the, the fan that you guys are for Star Wars, I just didn't put two and two together. I'm just thinking, oh, here's another big monster. Big monster, a, yeah. yeah. It's going to come up. Did it drag him down? Is so it uh, the, basically, the, this is like the prophecy come to. All of a sudden, it's all real. And yeah. again, what if God were one of us? What if it, all the shit you've been making fun of your whole life because you thought it was just stupid myth, and all of a sudden now you've seen the mythosaur, yeah. you've seen Christ. Yeah. <laughs> right climb out of the water, yeah. You climb out of the water now, everything's changed. Your whole world has changed. Well, no, and then, and so that, okay, so that take, let's, that circles, that's a good point to jump into the, the convert. We have, you know, obviously there's the rescue. Now, refresh my memory here. Why? Why did the, the? It was obviously some tie interceptors came in, but why? Why were they attacking? Part of what um, Bo-Katan when she first came in last season, what they were doing was hitting. hitting there imp- are warlords, imperial warlords, who've got, right? So uh, the imperial, imperial warlords tech. figured out where she was. Okay, and so they they were. Uh, They've been kid or not kidnapping, but they've been stealing the ships and they've been doing damage Ra- and raids and stuff and like raids, that. Yeah. Uh, and so they're out there. Now, the uh, the most interesting thing I've heard, and wait for it, Thrawn. I keep think I keep thinking it's the it guy. He was Thrawn. outer rim. Is he back? And if he's back, is he the one who would have that amount of TIE fighters and they're not long range, so it's gotta be some kind of ship right. close. They destroy Bo-Katan's home. Right. Wow. So that's that. Okay. So they destroy Bo-Katan's home. There's a great, uh, a great uh, uh, starfighter sequence and stuff like that. It's really exciting and stuff like that. Then we pivot and we visit Doctor Pershing on Coruscant. Doctor Pershing being the guy who was originally trying to to clone Grogu or whatever, and he is in rehab. He is in Imperial rehab. Yeah. And all of a sudden we get, like, there was so, they, they inserted the Mandalorian in Boba Fett. All of a sudden we get Andor inserted in that's, the Mandalorian. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is like watching Andor. And I was thinking, I wanted to know what your reaction was going to be to it because it's the last, the season, the second episode and the third episode start out so well. And then all of a sudden it's like, what is going on with this? What is taking so long? What is where are they going with this? These two characters—they're in rehab, or it was like I got that boring twitch, that feeling from Andor again, where it's like, okay. I, at the minute that started, I actually I actually read a bit of a synopsis before I watched the episode, and I was like, oh, Mike's gonna hate this. It was boring. I was like, oh my god, come on. What I thought was. Um... They could have done that whole story, that whole sequence in about three minutes. They needed to, and the reason, and this is going to be cool, kind of, kind of cool. Me hopes that it it does something else. But anyway, uh, there were two things, and I thought it was funny. I had just seen this week a thing on, and don't worry, we're not getting political, but the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. And the, the big problem that they're having now is that all these Taliban fighters were like, you know what, for years we've been doing the jihad thing and we've been going and we've been doing, and now we took it over. And we got nothing to and do. And we got book work. And the, the thing that is killing the Taliban is 
the bureaucracy. They're the they're they're what they were always fighting against now, and they're like, ah, shit, I hate this. Yeah, I want to I want to be in the desert with the gun. Go, ah, jihad. I hate now that we got to do all this. You know, we got health benefits and yeah. shit. Uh, Tax returns. Right? I was thinking, yeah, and, and all I was thinking was Andor, the ones who do it well are the ones who get that bureaucracy part right. If you can do that well, now you can you can take over anywhere. But that's the part you never think of. And that was funny that we were, because then I was thinking Andor and how funny that was. But part of part of what made that good was you get to see that side of the Empire is the the bureaucratic okay and it's interesting but at the same time i think watching a television show especially like the mandalorian where it's there's you know there's uh the great uh starfighter sequence and they're chasing the bombs going off uh the shootout at you know the the earlier shootout with the creature and going back to the to the second episode that thing that caught him in the cage i thought that was a great thing because it was just like an eyeball or a head. Yes. That, yeah. You didn't. You could. It was kind of like a. Was it a droid? Was it yeah. a? Was it a cyborg? Was right, it, it was. Right. Um, I thought that was a great creature. I liked the fact that it came out of the, the mechanized part, and then you had a, you know, it was another General Grievous. And yeah. That was that yeah. technology. Yeah. I I thought that was good. So you get all of that stuff, and it's like, wow, this is pretty cool, and then you're just sitting there watching, twenty minutes <laughs> of. Basically, people filling out paperwork and doing bureaucracy. Like, what the hell is going on? All right. So, first of all, Brandon, what do you have to say? Oh, yeah, everyone loves bureaucracy in Star Wars. Everyone loves the prequels. I loved the prequels. I did. Except for the first movie. I, I don't have a whole lot of love. If I'm going to go back and watch them, I generally skip that one. But, uh, not that being said, I've seen it more than once. Yes. All right, so that being said, <laughs> are they saying wholesale, if you are in power, no matter if you're the quote, are, are they basically saying, are they showing us that history is written by the victors? You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think like, that, yeah, I think that's exactly what they're showing. Because they're wiping out anybody that doesn't agree with them, or they're wiping out anybody that has a different story to tell. I think in all the shows, I, I think if you look at Bad Batch, I think if you look at Mandalorian, I think if you look at Andor, it the common theme is the Empire is writing it the way they want it to be written. And that's why they got to the point they did and why they took over the entire galaxy was because no one knew anything else of what was going on in any other part, any other, what happened on this planet, what happened to Mandalore, what happened. No, we're telling you what happened. Believe us. You don't believe us? Well... Now you go into a, a, an intern camp like uh, yeah. Andor got, you know, arrested for six years for yeah. jaywalking, yeah. basically. You know. Well, okay, so let's take a step back, because this isn't the Empire. This is the New Republic. Right. The Empire's gone, and so yeah, you're finding that, uh, as most people find, that you get uh, comfortable with whatever systems are in place. There's a security within a system, even the Empire. And, and I thought you said it really well. Nobody knows what's going on in other places. Right. Um, but what you do know is that, for the most part, you're making money. You're doing all right. Your standard of living has gone up. You're, you don't have to worry walking around the streets at night because there's not a lot of crime. The, the things that, uh, for a normal person, 
okay, your taxes may be higher. You may have this to bitch about or that to bitch about, which they don't show. But life is a little bit better. And then all of a sudden the empire's gone. You don't know why the empire. You don't know all the, the machinations. You right. don't know all the... Uh, for most people, the Jedi were uh, were a myth. Yeah. They didn't know What did the Mandalorians but, call them? Like sorcerers that, yeah. you know, legendary sorcerers that we once to ally ourselves with or whatever. Yeah. But I think what they're trying to show too is, uh, and the reason I said it was, Victor writes, the Victor writes a history, the Victor writes a story, the Empire did that, and now with the New Republic being in charge, you're starting to, you know, instead of killing everybody, now you're going to rehab clinics and they're putting these uh, electrodes on you to kind of change your brain waves. You don't know if they're doing anything with memories, what are they, what's mind going flare. on, mind flare. So, you know, you can kind of see like, okay, do you become... That which you you know yes that, that you are fighting against, you're you're using the same tactics that the empire used. And you're like, well, we're the new republic. We're the good guys. Are you? If you're doing all of this, are, are you? you the good guys? No, uh, but what we are seeing now, just the beginnings of, just the the faint tap tappings is the first, first order. order. Now this is how the first order takes over. Uh, and so that's what we got coming. And that's what's exciting about this. That was what was exciting about what they were not. They were not looking for um, cloning Grogu. Because that's not what he, what they his wanted specialty to clone was. Some, they, they, they wanted to clone somebody who with high, and I'm, I'm forcing myself to say this. I know. With a high midichlorian count to see if they could clone the Emperor. What they have never been able to do was clone anything with a midichlorian count. Okay. So... That was the problem, but he's not a cloner. That's not what he does. He's a gene splicer. Ah. So he can take somebody with a a, a vessel that could have a high midichlorian uh-huh. and connect it to another one that would be the emperor. So now you have the emperor that can contain a high midichlorian count. Because that's what you would need in order to uh, to clone Palpatine. You would have to be able to have that, because without it, the power would just rip apart. Okay, the body. so are we saying that this gal that was on Moff Gideon's ship is not is she, is she not rehabilitated? She is not. No, I and think she's a spy. She's like a spy almost. She's she's trying to get back to Gideon. Where is Gideon? Yeah, because we know Gideon is somewhere. Yeah. She was Gideon's, like, number one. Yeah, and it was like, and they kind of said, oh, I heard, you know, like, oh, Gideon, I heard he was this. I heard he was, there's, there's the the rumors of his d- demise are greatly, you know, obscured yes, or whatever. Right. Okay. But they don't have a clone, or they don't have uh, a body that can, that they can put the uh, Emperor in. I gotcha. So they need this guy to do that. I, you know what, I, I I do think it's interesting. I don't want the First Order. I like the First Order in that I like the First Order. I think that that's cool. I don't want it to lead to the fucking sequel movies. Because they suck. Well, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do is tie it in, unfortunately. Yeah, that's other, kind of what they have to do. And the other thing I wanted to point out, too, was... And I know Keith doesn't like Grogu. I always kind of liked him. I thought he was pretty cool. But I did have a problem with... So when Grogu, when when Mando's in the cage that the creature has him in, and uh, Grogu goes there and he tries to use the Force to lift to open the cage or lift it up, and it's too heavy, and he puts it back down and he says, "Go get Bo-Katan," 
right? So then he gets in his, hops in a little uh, bubble and he goes to get him. He gets to the entrance of the cave and the creature's there, right, to stop him. The next thing you know is he shut, you know, he gets put way out of, you know, pushes him out, uses the force. The guy goes flying. He gets into the ship. And I'm thinking, like, if you could do that with the creature, why couldn't you lift up the cage and get Mando out of the cage? Because I think, and I, I, I might be justifying this in my head, Gro- Grogu's good with natural things. Like, he's a healer. He, he, like, calmed down the Rancor in Boba Fett or whatever. He doesn't have... He, he, he's better affecting, like, living things or, like, fire or energy than he is on mechanical, on mechanical type things. That's how I'm at least justifying it in my head. I but in, the, in, in Book of Boba Fett, uh, Grogu pulled out the, the joint of one of the giant machines that had to weigh more than that gate. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh um but I, I thought I thought it was it was pretty good using him. Uh he went to the ship and he kind of pointed at talking to uh R two D two's understudy yeah. and he's basically points it on the chart and shows the droid we need to go here and gets you know, gets uh goes for rescue. I kinda I like that aspect of it. I I thought it was a you know, at least he was able to do something. So I, I kind of enjoyed that, All too. Right. So, well, just to kind of, we've been talking about this for 25 minutes, but to kind of circle back around. So we have our Andor portion, and then the very end of the third episode, they go to where the armor's uh, covert is hit out. You find out that because uh, Bo-Katan is bathed in the minds of Andalore and has not removed her helmet since then... She is now considered a can now be considered a member of the Knights of the Watch or the Watch of the Knights or whatever, and she can join their covert. And I thought it was interesting that, and again, your allegory, like she looks up at the and the Mandalore skull and going, "I've seen God." Yeah, you know. So does she be? Is she going to become a true believer, or do you think she's tempered enough? Where is she the convert? She, I think that was the that was the the name of the title is the convert, and I think she's the convert. Is she the convert? I'm. I think she is. I think. In Rebels, they had Pre Vizsla, who was uh, kind of her um, rival for the dark saber. Right. In this, it's Par Vizsla. Yeah. So we don't know if he's brother, son, cousin, dad, but from the same clan. Yeah, he's the heavy. He's the guy with the big machine right. blaster or whatever. Katie Sackoff made a couple of interesting comments. One, she said that she didn't say anything about. Or she feels Bo-Katan didn't say anything about the, um, the mythosaur. mythosaur uh, not because she was trying to hide something or it was malicious, but that she can't wrap her mind around yeah. it yet. She's trying to... You've seen God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would take more than a day or two to... Uh, and also, uh, and here's where the third sister comes in, is that does Bo-Katan want the Darksaber? Yes, she can wield it. She had it. She could have kept it. Does she want it? Does she even want to lead anymore? Or does she want... Her Her house has been destroyed. She has no one left in her life. She has a place where she fits in. They have accepted her now uh, wholeheartedly. Because she is one of them at this point. I, I think the bigger question is how Lance feels that if she keeps the helmet on, you can't see Katie Sackhoff anymore. 
I could see Katie. There's such a thing as the internet, and I can see Katie saying, "I've whenever I'd like." <laughs> <laughs> to get a little Brian on you there. <laughs> All right, well, I fellas, I don't know about you. I think this has been freaking pretty great. We were, I know, Brian, you were concerned that this was going to suck, and I think it's been pretty stinking good. Uh, it's been the best effects I've seen on TV. Yes. Uh, easily. easily. That dogfight scene. Was one uh, of the better Star Wars scenes I've seen. fuck yeah. me. I can't. Yeah, movie quality. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Uh, the, the, uh, the practical effects have been fucking phenomenal. They're, it, this is just top notch. This is the best Star Wars out there. Uh, easily. And um, story's been pretty decent, too. Story's been great, and it's moved along, like you said. I thought it would be a whole season of them trying to get to the Mines of Mandalore. Yeah. Uh, and they did it in, like, in episode one. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. Oh, what? Wait, It's what? all taken care of. Yeah. Where, where's the rest of the story going? All yeah, right. I, I thought he was actually going to go, like, he went looking for the part, you know, for the droid so he could protect Grogu. <laughs> he can't find the part. It's like, okay, we're just going to go into the mines. <laughs> it's like... Well, you're, you're going into this dead planet. You don't have anybody to protect Grogu. Now you're going to leave him in the ship. You don't have, you got the, the scaredy cat droid, which is useless. And I thought the whole point was to go get the part to get a droid to protect Grogu. Nope, we're doing that. We're going to the Mines of Mandalore. You know what, they... Which turned out to be the right call as far as from a story standpoint. Yeah. But Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. And then get Bo-Katan, who's a fan favorite and one of mine, uh, in there. What what I'm I'm getting a little tired of them doing is that Star Wars keeps erasing the momentous occasions. Uh, you have um, Darth Vader redeemed by killing the Emperor, uh, and then they bring him back. So Darth Vader. How many, didn't. Dude, seriously, the, the the Death Star. Okay, the greatest victory the Rebels have. They we destroyed the Death Star. They bring it back for the for, for the sequels, for the, and like they literally brought it back. Oh, so then you go, oh well. Then you kind of wrap your head around. It. Well, yeah, that's the greatest weapon the Empire has. So of course they're going to try to rebuild it. Yeah. So then we destroy it again. Yeah. However, did we really need the fucking another Death Star in the fucking sequels? Yeah, Death Planet, Death Planet, Death Planet. <laughs> <laughs> they made a whole fucking planet of death of death that could shoot much further. That's more deadlier ish. Then, uh, yeah, bring back IG-88. You take away his sacrifice in the first season, which is what made that great. Don't bring him back. Yeah. Leave the statue. Yeah. Because we all go, oh, yeah, I'd love to see that. You could put that up at Disney. Everybody stop by and touch it. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to see IG-88 back. I don't want to see. I wish they would quit doing that. I wish they would quit. You know, I realize that you, like Darth Maul, you kill something, and then you go, oh, my God, that was fucking cool, and everybody loves him, so we got to find a way to bring him back. And so they do, and they found a really weird way to bring him back. Oh, yeah, just cool. create a just create another just make his character. Problem. They did, Savage Opress. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and then he had to die. Well, he had to die anyway because yeah, he was crazy. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is that okay? Leave IG88 out of it. I'm glad that they didn't make that the first half of the show, you know, or the first third of the season. I thought that's exactly that where they were going. Uh, yeah, let's not do that. They've tied enough into it. I think that seeing the beginning of the First Order, and I'm going to bet that this ties into some of the other shows that they're going to be doing, because they've got a couple more that are going to be coming out. Uh, and I think that each one is going to tie the universes together. Uh, I like the idea that, or the thought that this could be Thrawn that's coming out after uh, Bo-Katan. 
the purge of Mandalore is no different than the purge of uh, Kamino, which is they did the same right. exact thing. Uh, Bottom to the Stone Age. Yep. Destroyed the entire culture, uh, except with the the Kaminoans. They they uh, they took the technology for themselves and just. And but the, killed like they killed the race, right? Because there's only a, there's not it there's didn't scatter them. Yeah, yeah, they didn't scatter them to the stars. The Mandalores at least uh, have a group that can get together uh, if they could ever bring them together. But uh, yeah, I think that the the show is this is this is everything I wanted it to be. All right, well, we're having a good time watching this one. Stick with us. The three old geeks are now on YouTube. Check us out there, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you can't find us, stop by our Facebook page to get a link. And while you're there, drop us a line and let us know what you think of the podcast. Tune in next week, same geek time, on all your favorite apps for all new, all different material. Thanks a lot for listening, and hey, keep on geeking on.